sport he ever played was baseball. He can carry a good bit of weight, yet he can't deny that not long ago he had to let his belt out. He's been eating and drinking a little more than he should. The last few months have not exactly been stress-free. He covers Central California for the Los Angeles Times. He's held that job for more than two decades, the only break coming 17 years ago when his Polish fluency brought him here to report on the revolutions sweeping Eastern Europe. Back in September, the Times publisher was ousted after protesting cuts proposed by the parent company. And just last month, his editor-in-chief, a close personal friend, had also been forced out. What do you do if you can no longer do what you've done your entire adult life? Until recently, he hadn't thought he'd ever have to ask himself that question. Even now, he's not overly concerned. Still, when they return to Fresno in January, he'll send out a few feelers just to stay on the safe side. Julia Maretzka Brennan. She's 46, a year younger than he is in December of 2006. Her hair is dark as their daughter's is light. Her eyes are large, brown, and mildly convex, and they often roll out of focus when she's on top of him and an orgasm ripples through her. During their years together, she's taught Richard a great many things, one of which is to walk on her left, cantering along beside her like her personal St. Bernard. If she decides to make a left turn, either to go around a corner or enter a shop where something has captured her attention, she drops her shoulder and nudges him in the proper direction. The single time he remarked upon it, she said, What's a person my size to do when walking with someone like you? He told her she could just say, Hey, let's go in there, or why don't we walk down that street? She responded that she liked how her approach was working, and he abandoned his inquiry because, basically... He did, too. Back in the 80s, when the country was under martial law, she had carried an extra toothbrush everywhere she went, in case joining a demonstration led to her arrest. She's never been faint-hearted, nor has she ever been one to conceal her opinions. There's a particular way her mouth twists when she thinks you're full of shit. He doesn't see that expression very often these days, but it's definitely on display when she steps into the flat this evening. Her cap and the shoulders of her sheepskin dusted with snow, and spots him and Anna standing there in the darkened living room, admiring the brightly lit tree, neither of them dressed for dinner. He's wearing slippers and an ancient pair of red Boston University warm-ups. Does either of you have the slightest idea what time it is? she asks. She sets her shopping bag down in the hallway, then shrugs out of her coat. He and Anna exchange glances. They had promised to be ready at a quarter till seven, and he knows it's at least 6.30 now. I don't, he says. Me either, says Anna. Julia lays her scarf aside, then bends to remove her boots. It's 6.40. The reservation's for 7.30. You two are both hopeless. But what about our tree, Anna asks. Her mother pulls the boots off, stands them on the mat, then walks into the living room for a closer look. They await her assessment, pretending that it matters, even though all three of them know that this annual festive act belongs to him and Anna. The tree, she finally concedes, isn't hopeless. Unlike both of you, it appears to have a bright future, if only a very short one. The car is a 79 Mercedes diesel that they bought several summers ago. For much of each year, it rests under a tarp. Until yesterday, he'd never driven it in cold weather. 
Mostly white, it features a beige rear quarter panel from a salvage shop and is missing its back bumper. The upholstery is a fungal shade of green, and at some point in the distant past, somebody had deemed the dashboard lighter the perfect tool for artistic expression, using it on the front passenger seat to burn little rings in the vinyl arranged to spell the name Klaus. Mercedes or not, it's a wreck. But it runs and is that rare European vehicle with an automatic transmission. He hates stick shifts. Truth be known, he can't drive one. Julia and Anna climb in while he brushes snow off the windshield and the back glass. Five or six inches have fallen. It's coming down pretty hard now, but the forecast calls for it to quit by eight or nine o'clock. He starts the car and pulls away from the curb heading toward the old town. While he drives, Julia calls Monica, and from the conversation he can tell that Stefan is still in the shower and that they'll be...